All right, so we are finally wrapping up Habakkuk, okay? So if you have been in women's Bible study, you guys wrapped up Habakkuk this week as well, so good job. Uh, Some of this might be recap. Maybe you'll learn something new or God will reveal something new. That's awesome. But it's been really good. Now, Habakkuk is not an easy book. This is one of those books that's like, when you pick up your Bible, you're probably not like flipping through like, oh, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Habakkuk. Let's jump into that, you know? Like, this is probably one that you haven't read. Or maybe you've only read once or twice here and there. And so I hope this time has been fruitful for you. Now, I know this is an easy book. I know uh, last week there were some people that told me they were struggling a little bit with questions and conversation because last week was a hard topic and those were uh, hopefully harder and challenging questions. But these are all very good and revealed truths. And so to kind of remind you where we're at and what's been happening, Habakkuk is a prophet. He's a prophet from God and he is talking with God about something that he has recognized. And that's the disobedience of God's people, that The people that are supposed to be part of God's kingdom, that are part of God's people, are not following his law. And so he brings this to God and says, God, you should probably do something about this. You know, like, you probably shouldn't let this happen. And God's like, no, yeah, I I see it. I know what's happening. And I am doing something about it. And Habakkuk's like, cool, 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 cool. What is it? Uh, And uh, he basically shows him that I'm raising up Babylon to come and take care of this. Now you have to realize Babylon is like the bad guys. That's the enemy. Those are the people that God's people are scared of. Like they're scared of this nation and God is raising them up to fix this problem. And Habakkuk's like, no, why why are you doing this? I don't understand what's going on. Why is this the thing that you're choosing to do? And ultimately, it goes through this whole back and forth between Habakkuk and God, and he's talking with him and trying to figure out what the plan is and why he's doing this and what it actually looks like for God to be faithful. And last week, we talked a little bit about God's wrath. And today, we're going to wrap up chapter 3. Uh, and it's a little bit lighter, and I think it will wrap up this, uh, the book for us. But before we start, I want to tell you a little story. Um, And some of you have heard this story. I don't know if I've told this at Next. I've definitely told it for uh, our students. So if you guys are a student here, you probably have heard this story before. So I apologize. But I do want to tell you this story about when I was in college, I had a kind of a mentor figure. His name was Aogu, all right? And so Aogu, he is from Japan. He's an exchange student that came to America to learn and to kind of study the Bible. And he wanted to do biblical studies. He started to grow. And so he was at Cedarville for a few years. Um, That's where I went to college. And at one point, Algu was my RA. So he looked over our hall and he watched over us and he made sure we weren't going to blow up the building or do anything dumb. And uh, he had an amazing heart. He loved the Lord so, so much. Um, And I haven't seen Algus since maybe like 2019, so it's been a long time. And he's doing ministry right now, and he's uh, in Chicago, and he's loving it um, as far as I know. But when he was in college and when he was with my hall, he had probably a pretty tough haul. We like to pull a lot of pranks. We like to like uh, do a lot of like setting up hot tubs in our bathroom and things like that. You know, like, we like to do, have a lot of fun. It was college. I mean, can you blame me, right? And we had a pretty rowdy bunch. But there was probably about half the hall, probably about 10, 9, 10 guys 
that their favorite thing to do every Friday and Saturday night was to go and get wasted, like blackout drunk. Like they just didn't even want to think about it. And they would go and they would do this pretty much every weekend on campus in the dorm. Some of you are like, well, that's, that's pretty normal. I mean, like, that, that makes sense. But at Cedarville, when you go there, you sign an agreement that says that you aren't going to drink when you're enrolled. Like, that's just something you know. You know it when you're going into it, and that's something you say, all right, I'm going to do this. So regardless of what you think about that, like, that, is, that was the rule. And these guys love to go and, like, just get wasted on campus. And it pretty much slipped under uh, Algu's radar for the most part for a while. He's a pretty innocent guy. He was, he was trying to love us well. Um, and I never partook, but I saw the guys and I knew the guys, and I didn't want to, like, snitch, you know? Snitches get stitches. And uh, I wasn't about to say anything. And I also had, like, told myself, you know, maybe the best way to take care of these guys is to love them and not tell, not tell anybody, to make sure they're taken care of, to make sure that ultimately they stay here because... If this is what they're doing, if they get kicked out of the school, they're probably not going to hear the gospel anywhere else. Like, this is the place. I'm going to take care of them. Well, eventually, one of the guys got so drunk that he went into Algu's room and he just started having a conversation with them until he threw up everywhere. And Algu kind of knew, all right, I have wondered if this was happening. It's definitely happening. And so he told the dean of men, and, he, and uh, the dean found out, and he talked to all these guys, and all 10 of them got kicked out of the school. And I was mad. I was so mad. Like, I, I didn't understand why this was happening. I was frustrated with the school. I was frustrated with leadership. I was frustrated even with Algu. I was like, why is this happening? Like, why are you, why is, why is, is this the option? What is going on? Is this really the best call? God, I don't understand why you've done this. I think that we've, I'm feeling, or I was feeling a little bit what Habakkuk is feeling here. Confusion, not understanding, really trying to figure out what God's plan is. And I think that this last part of the passage is something that's eye-opening. It's hopefully helpful to understand what's, what's going on in the mind of God and in the mind of Habakkuk, trying to see just a picture, just like a little small snapshot of what's happening. And so we're going to finish out Habakkuk 3 today, and we're going to start by looking in verse 16. It says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. So remember, that last little bit, what we've been reading is basically like a hymn. It's a song. This last chapter has been a song that he's written to kind of give praise to God. And as we look at this, this passage is beautiful. It's an awesome picture of what God is doing in Habakkuk's heart. It's really, really cool. And 
the thing I love about it is it starts off by him basically kind of coming out of this revelation that he's had, this prophecy that he's had, that he's witnessed and understood all this might, that he's saying that my body trembles, my lips quiver, that rottenness enters my bones. He is just like shaking from understanding and seeing this amazing power that God has. And he's coming off of this and saying, I understand what you're trying to do, that these people might come, that hard times will come, that there will, might be no produce in the field, that life is going to get really hard, that people are probably going to die, yet I still give you praise. He doesn't know when it's going to happen. He doesn't have even a clear expl- explanation of why it's happening or how it's going to work, but he praises God. That despite knowing that the outcome that they will see could be really bad, he still praises God. It talks about the fact that his feet are going to be like a deer's. And what that could mean is that like a deer, when things are perilous, when they're hard, that you can quickly get through it, that you can quickly navigate through the hard times, quickly navigate through the danger, yet you can go and you can abound in goodness, that you can jump for joy, that you can see God for all he is. And even says that God's going to take him to high places, that God is going to bring him somewhere where he's going to see success and victory. He's going to see God for the beautiful person, the beautiful one that he is. He's going to see the success that God is promising, and he's confident in the deliverance that God is promising to him. It's a beautiful ending. And coming off of last week's, if you read this whole thing, it's an awesome picture of seeing God's power, his might, and ultimately his deliverance and his beauty out of that. And some of you are probably thinking, well, that's way easier said than done. And it is. It's hard. This is a hard thing to do. And Habakkuk didn't get there in one day. This isn't like something that all of a sudden... Like, uh, oh, like he, came, he became a prophet, so he knew God super well. No, there was time, there was process, and we see that throughout the book of Habakkuk. We see that as he's delivering it. And so, what I want to look at is throughout the book, how has Habakkuk grown? And how can we, as believers, if you're a believer in this room, how can we grow as well? How can we say, maybe I have grown in some of these ways. Maybe I've had a similar situation, and I've had to have growth. What does that look like for us? And so I want to look at a few different ways that I think Habakkuk has grown throughout our time reading this, as well as some truths that come with it. The first way of growth that he experienced is he asked questions. He asked questions. In chapter one, we see that's how it starts is he brings this to God and says, God, like, I think that these people are doing something wrong. I think that our people are not disobeying you. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to handle this situation? I want to tell you right now, especially if you're young in your faith or if you're kind of wrestling, questions are okay. Questions are really good. That when I, when I took classes in my undergrads, I kind of learned a little bit about like what it looks like to teach, or even when I get a chance to teach for the adults, like the old people uh, at Redemption Academy, like I live off the philosophy that questions make us better. That when we ask questions, it shows that we're wrestling, we're trying to understand, we're trying to grasp what God is giving us. We're trying to really see what's happening. 
And the thing we have to face, though, is that we might not get the answers we necessarily want. That Habakkuk, he didn't get the answer he wanted. He didn't want to hear that Babylon was going to come and probably punish God's people. That's not what he wanted. But what God told him is that this is what the plan is. And he got a response. And so the truth that I want us to see here is that God is very okay with us coming to him with requests. He wants to hear from us. He wants our requests to be made known to him. The second way that I think Habakkuk had grown is that he learned that he could complain to God. He could complain to God. That once he heard that Babylon was like the option, he's like, no, 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 this is not a good idea. Like, why are you doing this? This is bad. This is the enemy. Like, you are literally saying the enemy is going to be the one that's going to come and fix us? How is that going to help? Why are you doing this? And these complaints, this is okay. This is not a bad thing to complain. God wants us to come to him. He wants us to bring these things to him. This is, this is him saying, no, like, I would much rather you bring these things to me than go to the bottle or go to the pill or go to other sinful people. Like, are you gonna, how are you going to handle this? It's like a dad that's just happy that his kids, that his children are coming to him and saying, I'm really frustrated with you. I don't know why you're doing this. And he's just overjoyed at the fact that his kids are coming to him. And think about it. If there's one person that's able to handle our complaints, that's able to handle our frustrations, it's the God of the universe. It's the one that gave us life. He can handle our complaint. So the truth here is that God is very okay with us complaining to him. He's okay with that. He's not going to smite you down. The third thing that I think Habakkuk grew in was acceptance. Acceptance. The next chapter, chapter two, is basically Habakkuk like bringing all these things to God and saying, here's all the reasons why I think this is a bad idea. Here's all the reasons that I think that this is probably not good, that I think you're making a bad call. But if you remember, that chapter talks about righteousness. It talks about justification. It talks about the fact that we are being made righteous, that we are being made better. We are being made more like God so we can be with him. And so when we see this and we, when we understand this, part of our growth when it comes to that is saying, God, I don't understand why I have depression. I don't understand why school shootings happen. I don't understand why the world feels like it's falling apart day in and day out. I don't understand why I lost this family member. But that's okay. That's okay that I don't understand That's a big deal. That's a big step of growth to say, I don't understand these things, and that's okay. The truth is that God's expectation is not that we understand everything that he is intending to do. That's not what he expects from us. He doesn't want us to understand everything. Otherwise, he would probably have a textbook or a timeline laid out for us somewhere, and that's not necessarily what we have. There's one more way that I think Habakkuk grew That's in faith and rejoicing. That in today's passage and last week's, 
We talked about what it looks like for him to give praise, for him to love the Lord, to love God despite how he might feel about his wrath. That he sees this power and he gives him praise. That he gives God praise even though he might not know what's going to happen. Even though life is going to get hard. There's a lot of scholars, there's a lot of people that have written commentaries for this book that think that chapter 3 is like written a long time after chapters 1 and 2 because it's so hard to get to that point. It takes so long to actually come to the point of like, no, this is, I'm going to give you praise regardless. Like it's just such a difference and it's such a growth point for Habakkuk. And I think that he grew in this way because God's expectation is not that we understand everything that he is intending to do, but instead it is that we trust he is working. We trust that he's doing something, that he delivers us from fear. He delivers us from those hard moments. He delivers us and shows us that he is working. What Habakkuk has come to see is that despite things being hard, despite things being difficult, God is working. So what I want to do real quick is an exercise. So just for like a minute or so, I want you to talk around your tables and just real quick, don't give explanations, just kind of rapid fire with people and share what are some things that are really hard in the world that you don't understand why they're happening. Like, let's share some difficult things. This doesn't have to be personal. That's not what I'm asking. I'm more asking, like, what are some things that you observe, things that you see that you feel like are difficult? And just share with them around the table real quick. I want to, and then and after that, I'm going to want to hear a few of them. But just take a minute and share those with your table, Okay. All right, just like 20 more seconds, talk at your table. All right, so I just want, I want to hear one thing from each table, something you guys share. You guys get to witness my terrible Bible school handwriting today, but that's okay. So just one from each table, what do you guys got? 100%. Growing up, amen. Yeah, back table. Yeah. Last table. Trauma, no doubt. All right, so these are all bad things. I'm sure there were other things that you guys shared at your table, right? These are all hard things. These are all tough things. And when we look at this and when we see this, these are things that are bad. 
But despite these things happening, despite what's going on, underneath all of it, God is working. Underneath those things, that we can look at these things and we can see these things at face value. But underneath all of this, God is working. That's because our faith is not based on external successes, but rather an inward peace. That we can look around and we could say everything is failing, everything's going to crap, we don't know what's going on. But that's not where our success lies, that's not where our faith lies. Our faith lies on an inward peace. Jesus reminds us of this. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's big. Jesus has given us an opportunity at life. He's given us deliverance out of these hard things. I want to finish my story from the beginning before we wrap up. I, those guys, I was so frustrated. I was so sad. Those were my friends. They were, all, they were, they were gone. I probably wasn't going to see any of them because I was going into ministry, and I'm pretty sure at that point they didn't want to have anything to do with ministry. And I remember sitting down and talking with Algu, and he was pretty disappointed in me that I didn't say anything. And I told him I was frustrated. Like, I didn't understand why this was happening. And he said, I understand. I understand. But I think that God is doing something big. And when one of those guys left, just one of them, out of those nine or ten, when one of those guys left, they talked to Algu and said, I think this was probably the best call for me. I think this was the wake up that I needed. And despite all that, I was still frustrated. And those guys left. A lot of them, like, just kept drinking. A lot of them just worked jobs. They were just kind of went and did their own thing. And I remember just recently, that was probably about five years ago, six years ago. And just recently, I remember seeing one of those guys pop up on Facebook again. And, uh, his life was completely turned around. I, actually, I asked Algu about it, and he said, yeah, he, uh, he actually texted me and gave me a call and followed up, and he really came to faith. Like, he really saw Jesus. And now he's going to church consistently. He's got a wife, he's got a kid, and he's doing his best to lead them. That's a big win. I mean, despite all that, it's hard to think about those other guys, but God had a reason just for that one heart to see change, that God was working underneath all of that. And I couldn't see it then, but I definitely see it now. I understand why God was doing what he was doing. I see that now. But on the surface, I saw the hardship, I saw the frustration, but underneath, God was working the whole time. And so, what you guys are gonna do is, when I send you guys to small groups here in a little bit, Uh, your leaders will have some note cards. And what I want you to do is, uh, at some point throughout throughout the small group, that you guys are going to take some time to write down something that you are really struggling with right now. You don't understand why God is doing it. You don't, you can't really grasp what the point is. Write that on the note card. If you want to share it with your group, awesome. If not, I'm totally okay with you keeping that between you and God. But on the other side of that note card, I want you to write down that God is working. Put this passage down. Put Habakkuk 3 down. 
remind yourself, and then put it somewhere on a nightstand in your Bible, on the back of your phone, in your car, wherever you will see it, to be reminded that despite your, you not knowing, despite you not being sure that God is working. All right? I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to break you guys up into some small groups. Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for Habakkuk and the prophet that he is and the fact that we get to read the experiences he had and the truths that were revealed and that you worked in his heart and please help us to work in ours. Lord, uh, despite things looking rough, despite things being hard, Lord, help us to see that you are working. And ultimately, you are working on us all the time because of your son and his work on the cross. Amen, I pray. Amen.